Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another Mo News podcast. I'm Mo Wanunu. I'm very excited today to bring you a conversation with The Points Guy. Some of you might be familiar with Brian Kelly, aka The Points Guy. He launched that site more than a decade ago. It is now a go-to for millions on how to leverage your credit card points, get those airline upgrades, and all-around travel advice. We're all experiencing record prices this year as we look to travel post-COVID. And this episode is jam-packed with tips and tricks from the person, Brian Kelly, who helps so many of us maximize travel experiences and sometimes save thousands of dollars a year. We go in depth in this episode on the best rewards credit cards depending on how often you travel or how little you travel, tips and tricks for scoring a great deal, how he got into all of this. It goes back to his time in middle school trying to maximize airline points One of the things we will do is go over booking strategies, when to book travel, Uh, again, depending on your frequency, depending on where you're going. He just has so many useful tips given that he actually reads the fine print. A reminder before we get started with the conversation to subscribe or follow this show in your podcast app that you're listening to us on right now. Also, if you can leave us a review, it helps us grow this podcast. With that, here's my conversation. And I assure you, if you listen to this conversation, you will save some money on your next trip. So I'm so excited today to be talking to Brian Kelly, aka The Points Guy. He's been helping travelers, consumers navigate the very complicated universe of credit cards, airlines, hotels for more than a decade via his website, pointsguy.com and his new app. He began it as a blog about 13 years ago, back in 2010. And the Points Guy Empire now has dozens of staff, content. Brian joins me uh, from New York City. I'm actually just across the river from him. I'm in Brooklyn. He's in Flatiron. It's so good to have you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we've gotten hundreds of questions, as you can probably imagine, from the Mo News community. We're going to try to get to as many as we can today, especially as travel continues to explode kind of post-COVID, as people are seeking out experiences and travel. Uh, and realizing that the world can shut down uh, and looking to get out there, out and about. But I want to begin with your story. And for those unfamiliar, what is the Points Guy? So the pointsguy.com, simply put, is a travel website. You know, our goal is to educate people to leverage their loyalty points to travel the world. Um, I was always really good with miles and points. Even when I was in the 90s, my dad was a consultant and he traveled a ton for work, but I, I figured out at the age of 12 how to hack uh, his points to take our family of six on vacation for free every year. So I was doing this in the 90s, not knowing that there was this whole sub-community of people out there who did this. So so this began for you in middle school. Exactly. Yeah, I was 12. I, I planned our family's first trip to the Cayman Islands. I had just read The Firm by John Grisham. And uh, as a 12-year-old with an active imagination, my dad was like, you know, let's go to Orlando or... And I was like, that's boring. Let's do the Cayman Islands. So I, I called US Airways, talked with a phone rep named Sheila Schmoozer, and figured out how to fly all of us to uh, the Cayman Islands. And it was amazing. So it kind of became a bonding experience with my dad in the 90s. And that was a time where, I mean, I remember that time, like the internet wasn't that great. It was very hard to navigate these things. So what tools did you pick up in that, you know, pre-smartphone, pre-real kind of modern internet era to navigate credit card points. Yeah. And and it's a tip that I give today. It's be nice to airline agents. I know it can seem counterintuitive and we all want to, 
we're all frustrated. And I get it. Like the airline, we can talk about where the aviation industry is today. I had a flight last week canceled for a ridiculous reason. Um, but never take that out on airline employees because they have so much power. They're underpaid, underappreciated. So if you sweet talk them and if you're genuinely nice to them, that's how I got what I wanted. I, I learned that at the age of 12. Like instead of yelling at the agent, ask them how their day is. Explain how excited you are to take your family on a trip. And I do believe in general people are good and will be more motivated to help you. And I've had agents over the years bend the rules and, uh, you know, they have a lot of latitude. So always be nice is, is my key tip. And that's how it worked in the 90s. You know, you, you hope to get a good rep. And if you don't get a good rep, we did hookah, H-U-C-A, hang up, call again. That's another tip. Um, when you don't get the answer you want, take a reset and get another rep. Good advice. Be nice. And if being nice isn't getting you there, try again. So you're 12 years old. You're already starting to figure out this world. You then move on, uh, I understand, as a recruiter for an investment bank. Um, yep. Take me through kind of your journey to then launching your own site. Yeah. So my big moment when I worked at Morgan Stanley, so I started August of 07. I thought I was going to get rich. All my friends in banking were making six-figure bonuses. Of course, August 07 is when the market started to go crazy. 08, the bottom blew out. Uh, so it being an HR, I didn't get paid for, you know, I didn't get bonuses while I was there. Banks were doing the opposite of recruiting in yeah. 2008, 2009. Yeah. And well, and luckily I was in tech, so I was actually safe, uh, because all the banks needed, you know, you always need top tech talent. If you pause on that pipeline of computer scientists, you know, they, so luckily my job was safe, but, uh, it, it was a challenging time to say the least, but my aha moment came when, I realized with my corporate Amex that I could get the Amex membership rewards points. I called up and I said, hey, can I? And they were like, oh, you know, you have to pay $95. Most people don't want to pay that. And here I am thinking, well, I have $50,000 a month in expenses. I'm paying for the career fairs at MIT, Harvard. I'm whining and dining all these computer scientists because my job was to convince them to not work at Apple, Google, Yahoo, and then all the other investment banks too. So I essentially had like an unlimited expense account to do whatever it took to get the top-notch talent. Um, so all of a sudden, I started earning millions of Amex points and Morgan Stanley would pay the bill directly. So I had no cash out of pocket but I'm minting millions and millions of points. So I started jetting around the world. I mean, my managing directors, we would go on recruiting trips and I'd be in first class and the MD at the bank would be carting <laughs> himself back to economy. And they'd always be like, how's the 26 year old in HR? And it was always about loyalty. And so it kind of became a joke at Morgan Stanley. People would come up to my cubicle and uh, I would kind of whip them into shape with their points. And I, I realized very early on, like everyone has points and no one knows how to use them. So the points guy started out in 2010. It was a side hustle. It wasn't even a blog. I was doing, I was basically a travel agent for points where you could pay me 50 bucks and I would come home from Morgan Stanley. I had a little roster of clients and I would help you book your trip to Paris or Tokyo using points, just using all the knowledge in my head. Uh, so it was just a little side hustle, making a couple hundred, a couple thousand bucks a month. And then I started blogging in June of 2010. And the goal of that was just to get more organic search intent. So if someone was searching how to use Amex points, they would come to the points guy. And that would be my free, my friend who was an SEO expert was like, just write one good blog post a day. Google will figure it out. Trust me, don't try to do anything shady. And it was great, great advice. And, and slowly but surely, about six months into blogging, it really started to take off. And then in 2011, the credit card companies approached me to become an affiliate, which to me sounded like spam. You know, I didn't want to, 
you know, my blog and my content, I, I felt weird monetizing it. But yeah. quickly I learned all my friends in media were like, dude, whether you're selling impressions, everyone's selling their content, it's okay to make money off of your content. And so I, I became an affiliate and just writing the same content I was writing, just putting the links in where I would get paid, you know, 100, 200 bucks, but only if you got approved for a credit card. But my audience was bankers, consultants, you know, people who had great credit and traveled exactly who the banks were looking for. So it turned into a business, you know, very, very quickly. So when do you make that decision? When do you realize, you know, it's time for me to make my side hustle a full hustle? I started June 2010. In April of 2011, the New York Times wrote a piece about the points guy because I had helped uh, Seth Kugel, who was the frugal traveler columnist. His thesis was always, and a lot of people in media were saying, oh, frequent flyer miles are useless, blackout dates. So that was the common theme. It was easy to blast these frequent flyer programs, but people just didn't know how to use them. Yeah. So my take was contrarian. It's like, actually, for budget travelers, you should be you know, using points because it's free money and you can spend more at your destination when your flight's free. So I met up with Seth and he was dating someone in Brazil at the time. And I taught him that day how to get to Brazil. He didn't have the budget to go for another couple months. But me and unlocking the points he had sitting in his account, he could see his girlfriend. And I remember his eyes lit up and he was like, this is insane. Like points are now allowing me to go visit my girlfriend when I couldn't afford otherwise. So he ended up writing this wildly. The points guy is the top website everyone needs to read right now. And I remember sitting when it when it dropped, I was in my Williamsburg apartment about ready to go into Morgan Stanley. And I just knew I was like, this is, you know, the site crashed. And, uh, all, you know, my clicks to credit cards went through the roof. And uh, I quit my job that day. I still stayed on for a couple months because my mom was worried about my health benefits. But uh, yeah, I just knew, you know, when I would, I went to a couple of dinner parties, and people were like, you're the points guy. And everyone always had a question. So I was like, there's, there's definitely an untapped market here to, you know, instead of just saying points are useless and hard to use. Well, what if I actually taught people how to use them instead of doing these one-off travel bookings, which became pretty exhausting? I, I folded that business and then just went into blogging full time, and uh, it's just grown ever since. We've got, I, and I sold it in 2012 uh, to a publicly traded company that we've been since acquired. But I'm still working at the company, and uh, we've got like 125 employees, so it's still kind of pinch myself moment uh, seeing what this little blog has blossomed into. Yeah, what's your involvement day to day these days? So I was CEO up until 2020. And then the pandemic hit and I was just exhausted by burning the candle from both ends. And I realized, you know, managing a 100 plus person global team, I give people credit. It's just not what makes me happy as a person. I'm not the best manager. But I do I love I still love helping people educating people. So now my job is I'm, you know, an advisor to our exec board, I help in our strategy meetings, you know, kind of chart the future of the company, I help create our app, which is the only app that'll give you your net worth and points. So that was, you know, working with tech teams. And now I'm just our, our chief spokesperson. So doing interviews like this to illuminate the masses to continue kind of keeping interest up in the site, and uh, doing a bunch of TV segments, and hopefully getting uh, my own travel TV show this year. So that's in the works. We'll see what happens. Good luck with that. Uh, before we get into all of your advice, as you kind of um, mentioned it earlier in terms of your initial monetization of the site. We had a few people who wrote in, you know, asking the basic question, which is, is there a conflict in your relationship with brands and credit card companies, given how much you write about them, given that some of them sponsor the site? Explain how, how yeah. that works and, and um, how you ensure that people can trust the advice they're getting on the site. 
Absolutely. You know, I, from the very beginning, I was approached, uh, I've never done an exclusive with the credit card company. If you go to the points guy, you're going to see all the top credit cards and the same thing with airlines, hotels, et cetera. Um, so we do public, you know, we openly make money from credit cards, but we only promote the deals that make sense to our readers. And I think the points guy reader is really smart. So we've educated our reader. We have valuations where we explain in detail, not just the points, but also what the perks could be valued. At the end of the day, there's no one best credit card for everyone, right? There's billions of ways that you could potentially want to travel or how you spend your money in different categories. So we educate our readers to do the math themselves. So, you know, we, we get approached all the time. We don't ever sell, this is the best credit card, right? It's always a matter of, you know, we're going to illuminate and allow you to do the math for yourself to see what's best. But, you know, we get paid by the credit card companies, but we also have freedom to write pretty much whatever we want. And then one other uh, question on that front was, has the popularity of your site and others that have, you know, tried to break down the points game, so to speak, has that changed how credit cards are approaching things? I mean, are there things that were available to consumers years ago that credit, you know, that you called out People earned a whole bunch of points in the Visa or, you know, the Amexes are like, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When I first started this, the, the sub-community of, of points hackers, uh, they don't like when their secrets get out into the open. And I mean, it's just the nature of the business. My goal is to educate readers so that they can travel the world better. So the, yes, you know, people will say, well, it's the popularity of the points guy, why lounges are so overcrowded. I mean, it's so funny because people get into this game and then they'll be like, Brian, stop sharing tips, right? Like stop telling people to get global entry. I got in. Don't tell anyone else about this secret. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I don't, I let that roll off my back, but you know, fundamentally the points game has changed. It has changed throughout time, but there's two ways to look at it. It is harder today to redeem points. Actually, let me rephrase that. It's not harder. It's more expensive. So what's happened is with so many points obsessed people in the world, you know, airlines are now making more money selling frequent flyer miles than they are selling seats on their planes. These frequent wow. flyer programs are huge, huge business, like massive amount of pure profit to the airlines. So what that means is, you know, there's just so many more miles in circulation. So what the airlines have been doing is increasing the price of award tickets in general. Now, on the flip side, there's never been a better time to earn points. You know, in the U.S. and in the points game, for any international listeners, I apologize, but the points game in the U.S. is the best in the world. You can earn hundreds of thousands of points just for sign-up bonuses. There's probably 10 top credit card companies all competing for that top-tier customer. So you can get, you know, I have 25 credit cards. I use a ton of them for not Wait, just hold the points, on. Let me stop the, you right. You have 25 credit cards. I, I, I feel like you need to you need that for your business, but what would a financial advisor tell you about your 25 credit cards? I don't recommend everyone getting 25 credit cards, but if you manage it appropriately, the funny thing about credit is your credit score actually goes up. You know, one of the, the, the two biggest features of your FICO score, the two biggest uh, components are paying your bills on time. So if you're gonna get into the points game, you've gotta pay your bills on time and in full. I pay everything in advance in full. So my credit score, because the second biggest factor is utilization. So the more available credit you have open to you and the less that you use, your score goes up. Mm. So in, you know, so what points hackers, you know, learn early on is you, not only do you get these valuable signup bonuses, 
And you, you know, the more credit cards you have, the more options you have when it comes time to pay for a purchase. So the goal is to always get more than one point per dollar. And then also the perks that come along with everything. So I make out, I get more value in the perks than I pay in annual fees because I'm maniacal about it. And I know how to leverage every hotel free night from a credit card and all of the perks that come along with cards. And my credit score is nearly perfect. Well, I was going to say with your 25 cards, are you like, do you have like notes in your phone? You're like, this is the card I use at Starbucks. And this is the card I use at Target. And this is the card I use. <laughs> we do. And and in our app, you know, yeah. the Points Guy app, we actually have a card maximizer tool. So for everyday people, so I know people who put post-it notes, gas, groceries, you know, but our app will actually tell you based on where you are, you should use this card. You'd get more mm -hmm. points. So yes, I don't recommend everyone doing it. But once you start researching how credit, I think most people are worried that their credit score is going to be ruined. Yes, when you get a new credit card, there's a two to five point ding for the hard inquiry. And if you just start applying for credit cards like crazy, you know, that's what they're worried about is people who are going to apply for bankruptcy, mm -hmm. running up tons of new credit lines. But if you're methodical, and you pay your bills off in full, your score will actually go up over time. All right, I want to take a quick break here from our conversation to thank our sponsor this week, Bull and Branch. The sheet and bedding brand helps you get an amazing night's sleep, and they have a great sale right now for Mo News listeners. My wife, Alex, and I have been using the sheets for more than six months now. They're made with 100% traceable organic cotton. They really get softer with every wash. They've been used by millions of people. And what's cool about Bull and Branch is they actually also spend time focused on the supply chain. It turns out the organic cotton that they grow is better for the environment as well as the health of the farmers that grow the cotton. I discussed all that recently on our Instagram page. Bull & Branch offers a whole number of products. You can head over right now to bullandbranch.com, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. And they're offering right now a special deal for our news listeners. You will get 15% off site-wide. Remember to use our code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, to get 15% off. Again, it is bullandbranch.com. That is bull, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, and uh, go check them out. I assure you, you will not be disappointed. All right. So let's start with the basics here, maximizing your points. Basic advice to the novices out there that aren't ready to go get the 25 cards and, and manage all that. What is your basic advice for, for navigating the world of credit card rewards? What sort of um, inventory do you need to do about your own life and your priorities as you approach the credit card points world? Yeah, I mean, the first thing you need to do is just understand what your credit score is. If you've got any negative things on it, you want to get that taken care of. And you don't want to open up new credit cards if you're not responsible with your credit. So even if you have a 10% nervousness deep down that you're going to spend outside of your means, it's not worth it. If you get into credit card debt, any of the points that you accrue, the value of them are going to be negated by insane interest and fees. So I only recommend people get into the credit card game if you're in a place where you can pay your bills off in full every month. That's how you win at the points game. You put every single expense onto credit cards, and then you pay those credit cards off before you accrue any interest, and you reap all those really valuable points. There's even, you know, and just first thing is take a look at what you spend your money on. You want to get credit cards that reward you for your biggest expenses. For example, most people I know who pay rent, that's your largest expense and historically, you could never earn points without having to pay a fee to these third-party processors. And when you're paying for points, you're kind of losing, right? If you're paying 3%, which is you know basically $0.03 cents per point earned, uh, you're going to have a hard time recouping that value when you're redeemed. There's tiny margins. But with you know the built rewards 
credit card, which is no annual fee, and they actually pay almost any landlord, even if you have a landlord that takes a check, built card will pay and you earn one point per dollar on rent. Then if you look at if you're dining, right, I think the best credit card for dining is the Amex Gold card. You get four points per dollar for dining and groceries. So all of a sudden, your rent and dining and groceries are earning you know, one to four points. And that's how you, know, you basically build a flywheel where every major category that you're spending in, you've got a card that gives you a bonus. And over time, you add cards, not just that have big sign-up bonuses, but also you know, reward you in those categories. You know, travel's a big expense. The Chase Sapphire card, you know, Sapphire Reserve gives triple points in travel. But travel's not just airlines and hotels. That's MTA, transit, parking, tolls. These categories are actually pretty wide. So you want to sit down, look at what you're spending your money on, and then try to identify the cards that are going to give you a bonus in those categories. And then, you know, there's some expenses like medical, right? Huge expense, go to your doctors. There's no credit card that gives a bonus on medical expenses, but the, you know, the Capital One Venture is two points per dollar on everything. So the way I set up my strategy is I use the venture card for all those expenses where I'm not going to get a bonus, but use Amex Gold for dining and groceries or Amex Platinum is 5x on airfare. So your goal is to earn as many points as possible. And the other key thing is it's not just, you know, if you if you live in New York and fly JetBlue, you don't want to put all your points in the JetBlue basket, right? Because when it comes time to redeem for a hotel or you want to splurge and fly Emirates, if you only have one airline currency, you're really boxing yourself in. The key is transferable points currencies, and that is Amex membership rewards, Chase Ultimate Rewards, Cap One, City, and then Built Rewards. Those are the five main credit card programs where you accrue points into a central pool. Wait, let's repeat that. So you have Chase, Amex, Built, Capital One, and City. So and City, City, thank you, uh, with their Premier card. Uh, I would say the most popular, Chase and Amex. If you build your core off of those, uh, Built Rewards is also no annual fee and their transfer partners are amazing. Built, you can actually transfer to American and United Airlines. There's no other credit card program that will let you do two of the major carriers together. Chase is United, Amex is Delta. So each of these transferable points programs, they have transfer partners. And um, this is where it gets confusing and it's more intermediate. It, It takes a while to get the concept, but the whole point is, you accrue points into these central pools and then can transfer to partners based on where you want to go and when. And that's how you can get the most value out of your points. So if you don't have a specific airline that you love or hotel chain that you love, et cetera, your general advice is to go with one of these larger cards, these Correct. So, so for example, Chase, let's just say you have 100,000 points with Chase Ultimate Rewards. Okay, so with the Chase Sapphire Reserve. So you can book any airline you want. And what they're going to do is they're going to allow you to use points for travel at 1.5 cents a piece. So your 100,000 points in Chase, you could book any airfare $1,500 on pretty much any airline. Great. That's awesome. But you could also transfer to United. Say you're going to London. I just helped someone the other day do this. He wanted to fly business class. Uh, American Airlines was charging 300,000 miles one way. But I, he also had Chase points. And I said, look at Newark. And, Ch- and United had 60,000 point business class saver availability. Mm-hmm. So he was able to go to a different airport and for a fifth of the price or a sixth of the price, fly business class on United versus 300,000 on American because he had the option. If he only had American miles, he'd be paying 300,000 points. But because he diversified and had chase points, and now 
you know, those 100,000 points is 1,500 in airfare, but that was a $5,000 ticket. So this is where knowing when to transfer your points, that's the ninja move in the points world. And it takes a while. I know for people listening right now, and it's like a little confusing, which program should I transfer to? It is a little bit confusing. There is a tool out there that I will give credit to. It's called point.me is the website. Point, and it's point singular, P-O-I-N-T dot point, me. Yeah. Okay. So what that service does, it actually, you can say I have Amex points, which of the 30 transfer partners, if I want to go New York to Paris next week, and it'll actually search all these, sometimes it's wonky programs. Like Air Canada is amazing because um, it's Star Alliance. You can redeem your Amex and Chase points, you can transfer to Air Canada and fly Lufthansa for really cheap, much cheaper than what Lufthansa charges their own frequent flyer members. So getting your hands around the transfer partner game is something that I recommend to people. Take time. The good thing about this world is there are thousands of blog posts, not just from the points guy. There's plenty of other really smart points bloggers out there. The question you have in your head right now, for example, like I have, I'm sure there are listeners right now with a million Amex points that have just been accruing. There's a lot of points hoarders out there in the world because people have this like uh, decision paralysis. I don't know how to use them, so I'm just going to keep accruing them. Well, it, it actually speaks to the larger question I have, which is like, I deal with this. When does it make sense for me to redeem my points versus spend the money? How do I do that calculation where I'm like, is it better for me to spend several hundred dollars on this flight? Or is this a flight where this is worthwhile to put yeah. some points, you know? So... In general, you want to at least be getting more than one cent per point in value. If you're not getting one cent per point in value, you should just get a cashback credit card. Um, you know, there's city double cash is basically 2% back on all of your spend. So, for example, if that if a flight is 50,000 miles, uh, but you can buy it for $400, that means you're getting less than one cent per point in value, right? Because 50,000 points should be $500. That's like the very, very base there level. You go. That's your basic calculation. Very base level. So if it's 75,000 Delta Sky miles, but you can buy the ticket for 500 bucks, I say buy the ticket. Now, the other consideration is look at your personal cash flow. If things are tight and redeeming miles helps you make sure you're not going into debt, gives you a little bit of breathing room. You know, I know a lot of people are nervous about layoffs or whatever. Use your points then. You know, always use your points. If you're happy at the end of the day with saving that cash, then do it. But if you've got lots of points and um, you don't mind buying tickets, you know, you generally want to use your points for the really expensive flights. And the best deals out there are still flying business class, first class internationally. That's when you can get five, six or seven cents per point in value. But, you know, for many people who just want to save money, shore up their cash reserves, use your points so that you can, you know, use your cash on your trip to actually experience amazing things. What is the best credit card right now for airline points? Is, is, is there one? Uh, I'm sure it, it fluctuates depending on your needs. But that was a question we got from from Jenny here. I think for beginners who don't want a big annual fee, because a lot of the best cards come with $500 plus annual fees. And I know some people just fundamentally are against that. So I think there are two cards I'd recommend for beginners. You know, Chase Sapphire Preferred, uh, it's $95 a year, but really good transfer partners and uh, double points on travel and dining. Now, the Sapphire Reserve is the expensive card. And what I want to tell people is off the top, you know, some people say, I don't want to, I want a card with no annual fee. My dad once told me as a kid, like cheap is expensive in that, you know, you buy crappy shoes, they're going to fall apart. If you just bought high quality shoes, 
you'd spend less over time. The same goes for credit cards, like the no annual fee cards, with the exception of Built, which I think is a great card uh, with no annual fee. You're not going to get a sign-up bonus for getting that. They're not going to give you the perks and the points that paying even a little bit of an annual fee will get you. And one thing I do want to stress, we talked a lot about points, but travel is chaotic these days, cancellations, delays, et cetera. I want everyone listening to know the perks on the credit cards that they have. In the U.S., we have no consumer protections for airlines. You know, if your airline cancels your flight, all you're owed is a refund. And a lot of times the airlines are naughty and they're going to want to give you a voucher. Never, 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 never take the airline voucher. They're, they're so naughty. Well, they'll, you know, cancel your flight and then automatically give you a voucher when they, by law, have to refund you. So always know your rights in that when things go haywire, you are owed a cash refund. And and there's actually a site that the transportation department recently set up that um, goes through each of the yep. airlines and tries to inform you, the consumer, you, the flyer, what you're entitled to from the airline before you leave the airport. Yeah, it's up to the airlines to decide their own customer service. Uh, you know, so if you're going to get the $10 food voucher and, you know, the DOT, it's their uh, self help dashboard. I think it's if you just Google like DOT uh, flight cancellation dashboard, it they basically they don't have the power to come up with compensation the airlines should give you, but they do have the power to force the airlines to enforce their own rules. So now if you're flying in Europe or on a European carrier and your flight's delayed or canceled, always look up EU 261 compensation. You're in the EU, there are strict rules on what the airlines owe you for delays and cancellation. So always submit for compensation. I think so many Americans just don't realize that. But anyway, back to credit cards. A lot of credit cards have flight delay and cancellation protection just for using the credit card to book your flight. And the best for that is Chase Sapphire and Capital One Venture. And those are the two intro cards that are solid. They have good sign-up bonuses. Um, so those are the two best all-around intro cards that I would recommend. And they have up to $1,000 in if your flight's canceled, you need to book a hotel, you need to get a rental car last minute. Airlines will not reimburse you uh, for those expenses in general. Now, I still recommend if you are canceled on and have all these expenses, always keep your receipts, submit it to the airline, but you're most likely going to get reimbursed from your credit card company. So if you book that flight using a credit card with flight delay and cancellation protection, you can get up to $1,000 per ticket. So that can add up greatly for families, and it gives that extra peace of mind in this country we're in where that has no laws to protect consumers. At least a lot of credit cards are stepping in to fill that gap. Yeah, you know, one thing every time I'm booking a, uh, a flight at the bottom of the page, you know, they're making me feel guilty about not buying their insurance. What's the word on that, Brian, the the airline don't, insurance that they try to sell you at the end of the ticket purchase? Don't, don't do it. It's not even insurance. In most cases, it's this crappy product called travel protection. And it's not going to cover pretty much anything that you need it to. If you want to get coverage for, if you have a pre-existing health condition, um, if you know there are certain events that might happen, uh, a death of a family member is looming, and you, you really need that covered, and you got to go to insuremytrip.com. It's a basically a marketplace for independent travel insurance. I have no affiliation with them other than you got to look at the devils in the details with all of these policies. So if you want to take an amazing trip, but you do have a family member that's battling a severe illness that could derail the trip, buy a policy that will specifically cover what you're worried about. Um, and once again, cheap is expensive. Also, the cancel for any reason coverages are very expensive as well. And they're only going to cover up to 80% of a trip. 
But if you've got a huge safari, that's going to be a big expense and you just can't sleep at night knowing uh, that you won't have the ability to get, it can make sense to, to get that cancel for any reason coverage. But in general, don't buy it directly from the airline. All right. So check your credit card to see what what they cover. Then there's extra travel yeah. insurance. Don't buy it from the airline. Um, I got a number of questions from infrequent travelers. You know, I travel, I haven't taken a plane for four years. And so the question we got from uh, Princess Payless is her name. Uh, is it worth trying to figure this all out if I don't travel that often? Absolutely. So I would say in your case, don't bother with airline credit cards. We haven't really gotten into them too much. If you are a somewhat frequent traveler, the airline credit cards, you know, paying $60 a year to get free luggage or priority boarding is generally worth it. But get a Sapphire card or Venture card because what happens is you can earn points and redeem on pretty much any airline through those programs. So you don't have to be loyal for those cards to make sense. Um, but for anyone listening, I mean, everyone should be getting in on the points game because fundamentally the cost, you know, 95% of places you go, the cost is the same whether you use cash or a credit card. When you use cash, you're foregoing earning all of these valuable points that are built in to the cost of goods in our country. So fundamentally, by using cash, you're throwing away cash in the value of rewards by not earning them. So everyone should be in the points game. And it's not just credit cards. Um, if Say if you are hell-bent on using a debit card, that's fine too. Another way people are not earning points is via online shopping. Everyone listening, you should always be earning points for your online shopping. And almost every airline and credit card company has what's called shopping portals. And it's super simple. And I'm just going to use American Airlines as the uh, example. You go to advantageeshopping.com. You put in your American Airlines Advantage number. It stores a cookie on your computer. And then anytime you go to almost any retailer on the internet, you type in the retailer. I did it today for Verbo. I'm booking a vacation house this summer. You can actually earn three United miles for booking through the United shopping portal for Verbo. So it takes you to the Verbo site. You're going to book your expensive rental, but you earn United miles for that purchase that go directly into your United account. And for the infrequent traveler, why does this make sense? Because anytime you shop online, it resets the expiration clock on your frequent flyer. So if, you, you know, if you're not going to fly an airline for a couple of years, you make one or two purchases a year through their shopping portal. It keeps your miles active and it can be a great way to top up your miles to get to a level where you can finally redeem them, even if you're not earning miles by flying. So shopping, it's almost any retailer. This blows people away and it's free. Wait, do you have to do this over and over again? So every time I'm going to go buy something online, I should, I mean, I'm a Delta yeah. person. So like, yeah. Like, you know. should be you could be earning thousands and thousands of extra sky miles for every single thing you purchase online that you haven't been doing and it's free. And mm -hmm. plus you double dip. So if you have a Delta credit card or any credit card, you earn miles for the purchase based on the charge and the shopping portal is a separate batch of miles that goes directly into your Delta account. So Promise me this, from here on out, always shop through SkyMiles Shopping as their portal. It's, you're going to still be able to use all the coupons, anything like normal. It takes you to the normal site. I'm embarrassed to say I have never done that before. And I've been, you know, uh, and I have the credit card, et cetera, Brian, but you're you're blowing my mind yep. right now. So um, yeah, it's free. Don't leave, leave no miles on the table. No. I just will add. So sometimes the different airlines have different earning rates at the same retailer. So there's a website evreward.com. That's echovictorreward.com. You can put in the uh, retailer and it'll show you all of the different shopping portals and the earning rates. So sometimes it might make sense for you to earn five American miles if they're only offering one uh, 
you know, Delta mile. And I will just note with American Airlines now, they include shopping towards elite status. So you can now shop online, use your credit card, and that will count to your loyalty points, which is the new way that they give out elite status. So by shopping online, you can get to the next elite tier, which can then unlock a whole bunch of other perks, you know, uh, with elite status. I, I don't know if you're allowed to say this, Brian, do you have a preferred airline? For me, it's all about convenience. So I fly out of Newark because it's closest. I think as I've gotten older with age, uh, time is my most valuable uh, thing. So I, I try to fly, you know, JFK just is so far, you know, the traffic and I've had too many two hour trips to JFK. So for me, Newark, so I fly United quite a bit, but if I'm looking at just the best in-flight experience, I love JetBlue Mint, free Wi-Fi, free snacks, um, and their food is the best. JetBlue Mint is by far the best. But I like you know foreign carriers. So, so you have a you have a flight to book. I mean, New York's a good example. You know, you have LaGuardia, JFK, Newark. You can pretty much you know get to most places via multiple airlines. How are you conducting your search? I know there's concern about like, you know, the cookies on your computer, knowing that you're looking for a flight there so the prices are increasing. How do I begin my search? How do I effectively get the best, cheapest available flight to my destination? Yeah, I mean, Google Flights is, you know, my Bible. Uh, So just google.com slash flights. And what I recommend to people, there's no one day. It's not Tuesdays at 8 a.m. That was another question, right? Like, what time? Yeah, it's an old myth based on the airlines used to be on these, you know, archaic systems where they could load flights once a day and take them down the next day. That's no longer the case. Airlines are very good with dynamically pricing how much a a trip will be. So I use Google Flights. and you can do a calendar search. So it'll actually show you, you can also include other airports in the area. And by shifting your dates, you know, by one day, you can, that's where you save the most money. You can also set alerts. So if the price drops below a certain amount on a, so any flight you want to take, set up alerts for price drops. And it'll also tell you low, medium or high, whether the fare. And if you're seeing a low fare or even medium these days, and you're comfortable with it, generally, I recommend Booking it. Airfare has gone up dramatically. I mean, last year, we, we saw a month over month increase of almost 40% last year. Fares have stable, you know, but we just saw today oil prices spiking. There's so many pressures on airfare. China is reopening. So Chinese travelers, billions of Chinese travelers who are a huge part of the travel industry have been boxed out of tourism. This summer, they're now free to travel. You know, so we're going to see extreme pressure on hotel prices in Europe like we didn't see last year. So in general, my tip is to book and is it in advance as possible. But yeah, Google Flights, you know, you can even, what I recommend to people who are on a budget, Google Flights has an explore map. So you can put it in Chicago and you can reverse engineer and see where the cheap fares are. So go somewhere you've never been before where the cheap, you know, chase the deals, basically. Uh, Push yourself outside of your comfort zone and also go places where the U.S. dollar is strong. Traveling domestically is super expensive. Hawaii, Miami, it's outrageous. You know, uh, the U.S. dollar is still very strong against most global currencies. You know, going to Argentina right now, oh, my gosh, the dollar is so strong. Um, South Africa. So while those places might take a while to get to, you can live like a king on a strong U.S. dollar. And plus, they're amazing countries. So if we thought and we saw that prices were sky high last summer um, and, you know, Europe was insane, you're saying, and I saw the post on your we- on your website in the last couple of days, that get ready for even higher prices this summer and fall. 
Correct. Last year in 2022, tourism was at about 70% of 2019 levels. 2023, they're projecting anywhere from down 5%. So almost at that 2019 level, anywhere from negative 5 to 15, based on a, a lot of different factors. But right now, it's going to be more people are going to travel this year than last. And in general, that's the biggest factor in pricing. So barring any incidents, plus with the gas price surges that we're seeing recently, that's going to put pressure up. So uh, there still will be deals to be had. You know, on Twitter, I follow Scott's Cheap Flights, Secret Flying. There are a lot of different Twitter accounts that shoot out really cheap fare deals. What I recommend is book them. When you see an amazing deal, book it right away. Because most airlines and travel agencies will let you cancel within 24 hours. So tell your friends to book. And then in that 24-hour grace period, you take off work and you finalize, you know, make sure you can get a reasonable hotel, et cetera. But when you see these deals, you've got to hop on them quickly. So to the and to the previous question, you're saying there's no special time of day or day of week. Is there a certain number of weeks out, though, that is ideal for booking, especially around holiday periods, right? Thanksgivings, the Christmases. Yeah. Um, Memorial Day weekends, July 4th, etc. Is there a sweet spot of where it's yeah. too early or too late? You know, the airlines six months out, the airlines do kind of gouge because they know there are people who just want to book in advance. In the old days, it was eight weeks was the sweet spot for international and six weeks for domestic. But it's crazy. I mean, I'm booking travel next month and I'm seeing certain flights completely sold out, you know, on popular routes on Miami to New York. There was a certain flight I wanted that's now completely sold out, you know, a month in advance. So two plus months out is where at, at least where you should be booking these days. Now, what I will say, using your frequent flyer miles, last minute is where you can get huge value. So last minute, the airlines gouge customers, you know, business travelers and people who really need to go to where they're going. So they'll gouge you on paid tickets, thousands of dollars last minute for a walk-up fare to Europe. But at the same time, they also release tons of award inventory. So I always recommend, if you if you need to go somewhere last minute and fares are crazy, always look up how many points to use. And this is why having a stash of frequent flyer miles and transferable currencies where you have a lot of options, this is where you can save thousands and thousands of dollars. I, I think of points and miles as an insurance policy. It's a freeing feeling knowing that if I'm in Asia, if I need to get home quickly, the airlines are going to charge you crazy for that last minute change or ticket. But using points, you can almost always get home uh, at the saver level last minute, you know, barring huge holidays or, or whatever. All right. I want to take a moment now to thank all of you who have joined Mo News Premium in just our first few days. The numbers keep growing, including a number of you who have joined us as founding lifetime members. You can do so now if you haven't done it already over at mo.news slash premium. We have a link in the show notes. By joining Mo News Premium, it gives you an opportunity to get more content and support what we're building here at Mo News. We will keep doing what we're doing with the free content on Instagram and the daily podcast, but there's a lot of extra content available for you if you become a Mo News Premium member. And that is in addition to just knowing that you're supporting independent journalism. So I should remind everybody. When you join Mo News Premium, you will be eligible for the members-only podcast feed, where you'll get early access to special episodes, extra interviews, behind-the-scenes content. Uh, we're also putting up Mondays with Mosh uh, from Instagram over on that private podcast feed. Uh, there are a couple of interviews coming up here where you'll have first access on the private feed. 
Also, premium members will have access to a private Instagram account where we are already sharing more behind the scenes content. I'm trying to give you more of my perspective uh, from my experience, but also my takes on various issues happening in the news. To join Mo News Premium, it just costs $7 a month or $70 a year, which is two months free. And right now, there's an added benefit for you Mo News listeners. With the code MoNewsPod, M-O-N-E-W-S pod, P-O-D, MoNewsPod, you will get an extra month free upon subscribing. As I mentioned, if you're feeling extra generous uh, and want to pay once for the rest of time, no matter what we add through the years, you can right now also subscribe via lifetime membership. For a thousand dollars, that's all available over at mo.news slash premium. Either way, so appreciative of everyone who's already joined, and uh, would love if you would consider it today. Is there a particular card that is better for international travel? You know, any card. If you're international traveling, make sure you're using a card with no foreign transaction fees. Most travel cards have gotten rid of it, but there are still a number of cards that will charge you three percent of anything you spend abroad. So. Before you go abroad, make sure you are not using a card that has foreign transaction fees. Um, but you know, in general, I do. You know, Chase Sapphire. Uh, it's a Visa product which has great you know acceptance globally, and uh, you know you're going to no foreign transaction fees. And you know, on the reserve card, you're earning triple points on travel and dining. And, and like I said, travel includes Ubers and everything in between that you're spending on. Odie Mac has a question here. Best, easiest way to upgrade seats without a crazy expense. What are the tricks to upgrades? One of the new trends is the airlines are now offering upgrades by auction. So when you check in for your flight. So actually, let me say this. So if you want to upgrade, I would say log into your reservation today and click, you know, for example, United will actually let you change your seat to business class and it'll give you a dynamic quote for that price. Generally, it's not the best deal in the world, but you can always double check. The airlines are now trying to sell as much of that inventory as possible. And it's usually much cheaper than buying business class outright. Um, so that's another hack. If you're going to buy business class and it's a crazy fare, see what it is buying a coach ticket and then going in and trying to upgrade. And you once again, you have 24 hours to cancel. So if the upgrade's not possible, but often you can upgrade from coach to business cheaper than what it would cost to buy business outright. But you know, using your frequent flyer miles, getting on the wait list, um, but also at check-in, a lot of airlines will say, hey, how much would you pay to, to upgrade? And put in the minimum amount that they have, and you never know. My wife has a question. She uh, sent me a note saying, I want to know Brian's most useful travel products, gadgets, and apps. So products. So I have a six-month-old baby, and he's a pretty good flyer. But you know, all babies are going to cry at some point. So these uh, AirPods Max are my now go-to uh, noise-canceling headphones. I firmly believe you know everyone should you should control your environment. Planes are packed these days, uh, so have a good pair of noise canceling headphones. Another random thing I always recommend I hate when I don't have it is just have a pen. It's so annoying when you're going through immigration and you don't have a pen on you to do those forms. You know compression socks. You know DVT is real and deep vein thrombosis and clots. So having a good pair of compression socks, especially on long flights, can be, save your life. Um, you know, the stories of, I know a lot of people, travelers who over time have, have gotten clots that are potentially life-threatening. So not to be a Debbie Downer, but, uh, having compression socks and standing up quite a bit can be a game changer in travel. And then also, you know, I'm asking ear, earbuds, you know, some airlines will give it to you in business class, but, you know, being able to have 
be able to control the light. There's always going to be the person. I was on a 6 a.m. flight the other day who had the window wide open. So my, I guess my tip is just always bring a kit where you can control what's going on around you. And then as far as apps, so flights are getting canceled like crazy these days. And the airline apps will rarely tell you when that's happening. So FlightAware is a free app where every time I travel, I put in my flight. And what FlightAware will do, it will actually tell you where your plane is coming from. So you can get one step ahead. If you see your flights coming from somewhere with a tornado warning and you see it hasn't left the airport yet, you can start getting ahead of, okay, if this doesn't actually happen, how do I rebook myself? So FlightAware will actually give alerts. Plus, you know, we're all waiting at the gate and uh, it's delayed, delayed, delayed. FlightAware will generally update you before the airline. And what it'll let you do is it'll let you see when the captain files the flight plan, which that's the symbol of this plane's actually about to go out. So that usually happens before you board. So you know, in this crazy travel environment that we're in, you need all the tools to to stay ahead of the curve. Because if you see your inbound aircraft is delayed or had to divert due to a medical emergency, that allows you to have that much more time over everyone else in your flight to get rebooked on a different flight, you know, because there's so few seats these days. And when things go wrong, we all see those lines in the airport that are a mile long. Uh, so always download the airline app and sign up for alerts. But, but flight aware is key. And, you know, make sure you you can get uh, text alerts for any changes to the flight. So you mentioned your dad. Congratulations, new dad, uh, Brian. You. So I got a lot of questions from parents with kids, traveling with kids, etc. We have a couple of questions here. Let's begin with, and of course, you have a six-month-old, but um, based on the Point Sky reporting and your own experience, most useful travel gear right now. So, I mean, the Duna stroller has been a game changer for me because it, it you know, is you're able to bring it on to most U.S. airlines. Internationally, it's hit or miss. It, this is the crazy thing about traveling with the baby. Every airline is so different. Some airlines won't even let you buy a seat for a six-month-old. In Spain, I had to have them on my lap in a seatbelt extender thing. But the Duna is amazing because you can, you know, have your child in a stroller and then in two clicks, it's a car seat. And even though children fly free up till two years, it is safest for sure uh, for to have them in their own car seat, in their own seat, if you can afford that. That's a game changer. I also like the Tush Baby. It's like a fanny pack that your baby can sit on throughout the airport. You know, you don't want them in their car seat for too long. So if the flight's multiple hours, you generally don't want them in their stroller for hours as well. You got to get them out. And, you know, some airlines won't even let babies sit in uh, car seats for more than two hours due to health risks. So... Also, you know, app-wise, Baby Quip is a great one. You, you know, trying not to travel with too much crap as a parent is a challenge. Uh, there's always so much, but Baby Quip is a service that will actually let you rent gear where you're going, so you're not lugging your pack and play and all sorts of other necessities. You can rent from local parents. They drop it off at your rental house or hotel. It's super convenient, much easier than having to carry a baby in multiple suitcases. Best place to travel to with kids right now, family-friendly destinations that you're hearing about? That's a good one. Well, I mean, it depends on the age of your kids. I Summer Hull, who's our family travel, uh, she just she has teenage kids and they just did New Zealand, which is a long flight. Uh, so maybe not for the newborns out there, but New Zealand is open for business. That's actually one of the top trending destinations. Unbelievable nature, activities. To, you know, If you're an outdoors person, the South Island in uh, New Zealand is amazing. Can you get good deals there right now? You can actually. It hasn't, you know, their seasons are flipped, so we're going into their winter, but they're still amazing. You know, so Christmas and January is their peak season. That's another tip I have for people is go off peak. Uh, even the shoulder seasons, Europe, honestly, is hot and crowded. You know, I was in Florence for a wedding last June, jam-packed, 100 degrees almost. 
it's much more enjoyable and there's much better deals to Europe in May and September. You know, of course, with holidays and kids, I get it why some people can't do that. But where possible, I always recommend going to the shoulder season. And as far as kid destinations, I mean, it just depends. A lot of resorts depends on the resort you're going to. But I, I will say I just spent three weeks in Portugal. Portugal, there are countries that are just generally in the U.S. I found that like we actually have a very negative culture around babies and children. A lot of countries, Portugal, you know, they pulled me to the front of the immigration line because I had my infant with me. You get priority security. And in general, the culture there is much more accepting. You know, kids are out at nice restaurants. It's totally normal. You know, the hotels will, uh, you know, have bottle warmers. It's it's generally a much more, and I think across Europe, it's much more baby friendly. That's why I push parents, uh, you know, the flights to Europe are a little bit longer, but you get your babies traveling young, they get pretty used to it. And uh, there are just countries that are much more baby friendly than the U.S. So we're sitting here in April. A lot of people, some have made their summer plans. Some are still looking at their summer plans. Um, Just wanted to go real quickly internationally, any destinations kind of off the beaten path. Not, I mean, clearly Florence in June, uh, you just uh, (laughs) uh, gave a thumbs down to. But what do you like internationally and domestically this summer that maybe people aren't thinking of? Turkey is now the number four tourist destination in the world. I went last May and it was absolutely stunning, beautiful weather, culture, food. The the lira is having a crisis moment. So the dollar is super strong. And also, I just have to say Portugal. So I'm actually becoming a citizen of Portugal through their golden visa program. I invested in a hotel and now in five years, I'll become a full EU citizen. Um, I ate my face off in Portugal for three weeks. I thought I was going to gain a ton of weight. I actually lost two pounds. And on my Instagram, we were talking about it. so many of my readers across Europe, like the food and your, it's just so much better for you, the quality of the ingredients. So I am still a big Europe fan for summer 2023. Um, I will note, though, if you're flying throughout Europe, there are going to be a lot of strikes this year. Um, in France, we just saw an almost meltdown of the air traffic system. Their air traffic controllers are going to be striking a lot this summer. London, T5, Heathrow strikers or workers are about to strike. Germany, we, ha- we have a post in the points guy outlining. So you've got to be vigilant this summer traveling to Europe. It's going to be busy. And also, I have to say, if you're checking luggage, you must, 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 must use air tags. I you know, even if you're flying first class, the airlines are losing bags at crazy levels. In Portugal, of course, my son's check bag with all of his formula and stuff that we really needed was lost. But having an air tag allows you to track almost in real time exactly where the bag is. So when TAP Airlines said, oh, we don't know where the bag is, I said, I do. It's right here. It's in, you know, Lisbon Airport. And I actually was able to track it. And I knew when it landed. So I didn't have to wait all day for the delivery service. I just went to the airport and picked the bag up because I knew it was there. So giving yourself that peace of mind, put it in your carry-on luggage as well in case the airline ever makes you check that. You know, you leave your bags at a hotel, you leave it behind the desk. If that ever gets stolen, I always have an air tag in pretty much everything that I have. Your stroller, some people put them in their kids' shoes just so they always know where their kids are. But I think air tags are a must for travel these days. Any domestic locations uh, that people should be looking at this summer into fall? Yeah, I mean, the national parks are still going to be a big, a lot of people are still not traveling uh, abroad. So uh, on our list of trending destinations, Yellowstone is still up there. You know, the the American West is beautiful. And that's actually a place that I haven't explored too much. I've been to Rwanda twice, but I've never even been to the Grand Canyon. (laughs) So, you know, Santa Fe is a hot spot. 
that is, is on the top of my list. Um, but doing, you know, the great American road trip, RV share is a great, uh, if you're ever thinking of doing an RV, you can actually, it's like the Airbnb of RVs. Uh, it's on my list. Uh, you know, gas prices have come down a little bit, although potentially seeing some upward pressure on gas prices there, but it can still be much cheaper to do a road trip here than to, to travel with the airfares, what they are. What is the best credit card for gas, by the way? So the top two cards for gas uh, on the personal side, the City Thank You Premier gives three points per dollar on gas. Or if you're a small business owner, the Amex Business Gold gives you four X points on your top two categories and gas is one of them. So looking ahead here, uh, got a question about AI using ChatGPT as your travel agent. Um, have you played it all in the AI space as you look at some interesting technology out there? Um, any interesting things happening uh, where in the future AI is doing our vacation planning or some aspect of it? Yeah, I think AI has huge potential in the travel industry. Um, certainly have concerns uh, larger scale about it. But I do think there's a lot of manual uh, things that happen in travel, even if you want to change a flight, waiting for phone reps that often are you know misinformed. So I think the power of AI to streamline travel is there in the future. If you today, if you try to use AI or chat GPT for points knowledge, you know, it's only up to 2021. And so much changes overnight in this industry that it's not where it needs to be today. But certainly down the line, I love using chatbots for changing flights, you know, American Airlines in their app, you can change and cancel things much easier than having to wait on the phone for an agent. So Overall, I'm optimistic that, you know, travel still is pretty clunky. You know, there's so many hotels, there's so much, you know, user generated content on TripAdvisor to, to weed through for the average person to process all of the data sets out there that I think it can start learning about our preferences and really helping us save time when it knows how we like to travel and then making recommendations based on, you know, I think it, it, it has transformative capabilities, but I, I don't see it really playing a huge role in, in 2023. All right, a couple of questions before I let you go here. We haven't talked rental cars yet. Basic uh, car rental advice. Uh, there's the car rental insurance, etc. Brian, your advice on renting a car? Yeah, so luckily, we're out of the car rental Armageddon days during the pandemic, where there just weren't enough rentals and people were uh, showing up. And, you know, they're still in some markets can be a severe lack of rental cars. But you know, my tips in general, use a credit card that offers primary rental coverage. Um, don't pay for that outrageous daily rate for insurance. A lot of credit cards have it, you know, Chase Sapphire. Also, you know, there's not that many rental car companies out there anymore. There's been so much consolidation in the industry. I booked through AutoSlash, which is a service that allows you to book a refundable car reservation and they automatically check to see if the price comes down. If you don't want to use them, you could still, I would still always recommend most car rentals are refundable. So keep checking if the price drops, just rebook it at that lower rate. I also really like Turo where you can rent someone else's car. Often you can get far nicer cars than what the rental companies are giving. And it can be more convenient. They can arrange for drop off at your hotel. Turo is sort of the uh, Airbnb for cars. Exactly. And you can get some pretty fancy cars on there. Teslas and guarantee the exact type of car that you want. And also, you know, generally airline, you know, at airports, the car rental rates are through the roof. It can make sense to Uber 10 minutes to a non-airport destination to save dramatically on a car rental. But uh, definitely book as far in advance as possible. And when possible, try to book directly through the car 
rental agency because if they do run out of cars, reservations made directly, they generally honor first before booking through an online travel agency. Your general thoughts on travel advisors or travel agents? Do you ever use them? When do you suggest them? Yeah, I think travel advisors can add huge value, you know, save you time. They generally have direct lines to the airlines. So if things go wrong, you you can say, hey, to your travel advisor, can you handle this or try to get me a refund or rebook me on a different flight? There's a two hour line at the airport. You can call your travel advisor and they can, you know, book you. So in general, I think, you know, get a travel advisor who specializes generally for big ticket trips, safaris, cruises. I think they can add tremendous value. But in day-to-day trips, you know, just booking a a cheap flight, generally, I just recommend booking directly with the airline. And Brian, where are you headed in the coming months? So I am looking to get back to Asia. Uh, I haven't been, you know, unless you count Dubai or Turkey, the Asian side of of Istanbul, since the pandemic. Uh, So in May, I'm eyeing a trip to Taipei, which I've never been to Taiwan. I hear it's an amazing food destination. And Eva Airlines has the Hello Kitty plane, which is now coming back to the U.S. It's a it's a whole airplane tricked out in Hello Kitty barf bags. It's a whole flying experience. It's been on my flying bucket list for a while. Uh, and then there's a new Taiwanese airline called Starlux that is now flying to L.A. So I want to fly the Hello Kitty jet to Taipei and fly Starlux, this new super premium airline on the way home. So stay tuned for that. Brian, I... I'm so grateful uh, for the time you spent here and the incredible advice. Um, I'm going to head to the Delta Sky Mall right now to ensure I don't miss out on a single point moving forward. No miles left behind. Thanks for having me. I love your account. I've been a a fan for a while. So I was uh, incredibly honored to be invited to be on the podcast. So thanks for having me. And we'd love to have you back. You know, things keep evolving in this world. And it's the one thing that all of us have in common is we all have to go somewhere at some point, even if you're an infrequent traveler. So your advice is incredible. Uh, there's the pointsguy.com. There's your app. Uh, any other way that people can track the, the latest and greatest in your end? Yeah, I'm at Brian Kelly on Instagram. That's my personal account where I share my travels and tips. But uh, yeah, at the points guy on all channels or the pointsguy.com. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks. Safe travels. All right. A special thanks again to Brian for that conversation. We will have him back again soon. We'll also be sharing a number of highlights from this conversation over on Instagram. uh, So you can share it with friends and family. We have many more of these types of conversations coming up in the next few weeks. Please email us though, over at podcast at mo.news with suggestions of people you would like to hear from in a coming episode. And remember, before you go to follow or subscribe to this podcast, so you don't miss a single episode. And also leave us a review. We really appreciate all the incredible five-star reviews we've been getting these last few months. I'll see everyone back here again soon.